And when my sales manager saw the quote, we owe bill or due bill, she said, I'm not paying for that. My response was simple. I placed the values card on the table and I pointed to commitment to customer enthusiasm. And she looked up at me and said, you're right. And she signed the paper. Well, hello everybody, Gene Girdley here. Welcome to the Miles and the Markers podcast. And this podcast is based on my book of the same name, The Miles and the Markers. And we are on mile eight, believing means doing. And I'm going through the book systematically here, just the way I wrote the book. And then expounding a little bit on each of the different miles or chapters and concluding with the mile marker or the mile post, the thing that I want to focus on. And this mile starts out with, regardless of your faith, your values, or the philosophies, you should understand actions matter. So I wrote this because as I began my sales career in automotive, I started doing a lot of reading. And many of you who follow me know that I'm a big fan of Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy and all the the gurus who have made a difference in so many lives out there. I'm also reading again, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Del Carnegie. And I love all the quotes that people post on LinkedIn. I think they're great. Even among those posts, however, some of them are posts that there could always be a caveat in there. You know, you could read the post and then say, but what about this? But what about that situation? That that quote doesn't necessarily apply to that circumstance because quotes are just quotes. You, If you don't understand them in context, if you don't apply them, they're meaningless, right? So as I got into reading all of these business books, and and I will tell you that Jim Rohn is my favorite. He was called America's foremost business philosopher. Anything you could get your hands on with Jim Rohn, I think, by all means, get it and read it. I love the others, but Jim was by far my favorite. And partly the reason he was my favorite is because He did talk philosophies, philosophies of business, philosophies of life. He got into some of the things I posted today, a a polling question, which was kind of interesting. It was about uh, something that I had watched in a video from a LinkedIn influencer who said, don't ever post anything negative. And I posted a poll on that. And it's funny because as of right now, as I'm recording this, I was the only one who answered the polling question out of 500 people who viewed the polls, but there were like 10 people who commented on it, which is really unusual for a poll. Typically people will answer the poll and they won't comment, but in this case, lots and lots of comments. So I consider that a great polling question. Should you only post something negative? I'm sorry. Should you only post positive things? Because this influencer said never post a negative thing on LinkedIn. So one of the reasons that I liked Jim Rohn 
is because he told it like it was. He told the truth. He talked about discipline and accountability and regret and emotions that you face. Whereas some of the others, they would talk about those things. I'm not saying they wouldn't, but they didn't get really in depth in it. They would, you know, make comments about it. And kind of the, I view it as kind of a fun thing, which is why I wrote about it here. They kind of went back and forth at each other in a fun loving way. So there was a debate. I'm continuing with the book now. There was a debate among the writers of the books that I read when my sales career began. Many who are motivational speakers would be questioned by business philosophers and process gurus and vice versa. Now, on the surface, there seems to be a disconnect, but both business philosophy and motivation is important. Again, keeping in mind that your actions are the things that matter most. What do you do with the information you receive is the key to success. So Jim Rohn once said, quote, motivation alone is not enough. If you have an idiot and you motivate him, now you have a motivated idiot. <laughs> think about that, right? Really think about that. So you send someone who's really bad at what they do to a motivational class and they get all motivated and hyped up and excited, but they're doing it wrong. They're just doing it wrong with more enthusiasm. <laughs> so point well taken. Now let's flip that around. By contrast, Zig Ziglar said, you don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to be great. People often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. <laughs> so you can see why I love those guys, right? I love those guys. They're great. Whenever we promote a value, a philosophy, a religious principle, as you'll hear me do quite a bit, or any other practice, it is incumbent upon us to live it. It's incumbent upon us to live it. Now, most of you who have followed me know that I worked for Saturn. I was part of the retail training team with Saturn. And as I've said so many times, it's really interesting how today, especially because of COVID and the demand by consumers for transparency, that the things that we used to practice at Saturn are things that everybody wants to practice now or they're trying to implement now. So the first of Saturn's five values was commitment to customer enthusiasm. I mean, we've even changed it from CSI or from customer satisfaction in today's economy. And it's just happened in the last five years or so to where everybody's calling it CX, customer experience. And commitment to customer enthusiasm was about exceeding expectations. This principle was the basis for our consistent high survey scores. A lot of people don't know this, and I know people who like to put Saturn down will say, well, Saturn's no longer around. Well, that's not because Saturn did anything wrong. There's a whole story behind that. You can read it in an article that I wrote or later in the book. We'll talk about it because I was on the inside and I know exactly what happened. 
had nothing to do with Saturn doing something wrong. So the principle was the basis of consistently high survey scores. So when Saturn was at its peak, in fact, before they started dishing out dealerships to Oldsmobile dealers who weren't doing it the Saturn way, there were five, six years in a row with top SSI, top CSI scores. That means tops in sales, tops in service among all brands, including luxury brands. In fact, we were so committed to the values that we carried them on cards in our pockets for quick reference. So now we get into the doing part of it. Believing means doing. Um, there were those of us who people would say they bleed Saturn values. And quite frankly, the reason Saturn was such a good fit for me was because of my faith and what I believed about being a follower of Christ and how I was supposed to behave toward other people as that follower, the Saturn values fit. You know, customer enthusiasm, trust and respect for the individual, commitment to excel, all of those, continuous improvement, all of those things were so valuable. And like I said, we were so committed that we actually carried these values cards in our pocket mission, philosophy, and values cards in our pocket. The cards came in handy, I'm reading now from the book. After we sold a used vehicle to an E1 serviceman station not far away at Camp Pendleton from where our dealership was. The car was listed as is on the buyer's guide. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with this, if you list something as as is on the buyer's guide and it spells out specifically what is covered, whether there's any warranty or not, that means that the buyer accepts the fact that if they sit down to buy the car in finance and they don't purchase an extended service contract, that the car is as is. Anything wrong with it from here, it's theirs. That's it. It's on them. So legally, this car was listed as as is on the buyer's guide. And this particular serviceman with his pay rate, he could not afford a service contract. Now, the following Saturday, he calls me to let me know that his car wouldn't start. Now, we had it towed in. And I did tell him, hey, we're going to have it towed in. If it's something that's on us, we'll take care of it. But you need to understand, you bought the car as is. So if it's something else, then Technically speaking, we don't have a responsibility for it. Now, he was obviously bummed to hear me say that, but I was doing my due diligence on behalf of the dealership. We determined that all was needed was a replacement battery. That was it. So we had it towed in and we determined a replacement battery was needed. So legally, as I mentioned, we had no obligation to replace it. But my approach was to have the service department do it anyway. Now, another value that we practiced at Saturn was empowerment, not delegation, empowerment. That meant that we were trained how to do things and given the authority to do them. We didn't have to go ask a manager about every little thing, even though a manager had to sign off on it. That was part of the value of trust and respect for the individual. And I, I really love from the videos in the fish philosophy, one of the things that the founder of Southwest Airlines, one of the founders, Herb Kelleher said was, 
if like people fail by falling toward the customer, they're never going to get in trouble. They may need some coaching later, but they're never going to get in trouble for that. So I love that about her. And I love that when I worked with Southwest Airlines too, I was a perfect fit for them as well. In addition to Saturn. So we didn't have any obligation to replace the battery, but I told them to do it. And when my sales manager saw the quote, we owe bill or do bill, she said, I'm not paying for that. That sale was as is, and we have no obligation to pay for it. My response was simple. I placed the values card on the table. As I said, I was carrying it around in my pocket and I pointed to commitment to customer enthusiasm. That's all I had to do. I just pointed to it and she looked up at me and said, you're right. And she signed the paper. See, I'm going to get off track here a little bit and just go back to talking to some of you who may not believe that that's the right thing to do because, oh, I had no legal obligation to do that. I didn't have to do that for the customer. My manager didn't have to approve it. I could have ended up paying for it out of my own pocket. She could have said, nope, you're, Hey, you authorized it. You're paying for it. You took responsibility. Live it. Could have done that. I trusted that she wouldn't because I knew her. But for those of you who might be thinking, oh, well, that was stupid. I would have never done that. They bought it as is. I got to think about the profitability of the dealership. Yeah, you're right. You got to think about the profitability of the dealership. Now think about this. We don't replace the battery for him. He has to pay for it out of pocket. He's already scraping as is. And he goes back to the base and someone comes to him and says, where did you buy your car? Oh, don't go there. Don't go there. Nope, they don't stand behind what they sell. I mean, think about it. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? That I don't even know what the battery cost at the time. I think it was like 80 bucks or something our cost at the time. But what we did was we built loyalty. He sent other people to me to buy cars for me. We easily made up the profit with that. Now back to the book. Faith works the same way. James, in his letter says faith without works is dead. Now that in no way, for those of you who are Bible believers, that in no way mitigates God's grace. But if we don't act on our faith, then what's the use of saying we believe? I've done plenty of street testimonials, singing about Jesus in public and serving on the mission field in other countries and in the inner cities. I'm not boasting about that. It's just a story to illustrate another mile marker in my life. Be a person of action. Follow through on your commitments. Live by your stated values. No one will trust you or believe you if you don't act out what you say you think. Now, before I leave, I, I do want to say that this can be a challenge if people really don't know you. If people really don't know what you believe and haven't seen you have the opportunity to act it out, there can be conflicting stories or conflicting messages sometimes, especially when it comes to social media, 
or your views about certain topics that can be controversial. Uh, I recently had a situation where I was accused of not supporting women when that is the furthest thing from the truth. In fact, I've been a supporter of women. I, look, I got five granddaughters, two daughters, been married, sister, moms. I, I've always held the principle of, especially in business, treat every older woman like you would your mother. Treat every equal woman like you would a sister or a spouse in terms of respecting them. Treat every younger woman as if you would a daughter or a granddaughter. I've held to that. But because I stood up for something and took a stand for something that involved women, it was misconstrued. So I'm going to read you a quote from Beth Allison Barr to make very clear where I stand. And this is an action item for me. This fits perfectly with live what you believe. She wrote a book called The Making of Biblical Womanhood, How the Subjugation of Women Became Gospel Truth. I mean, think about our history and how we've treated women. But the other part of it, think about how women treat themselves these days. Think about how people represent themselves, and not just women, men. They use themselves as objects. So this is a quote by Beth. Ideas matter. Ideas that depict women as less than men influence men to treat women as less than men. Ideas that objectify women result in women being treated like objects, parentheses, sex objects mostly, and parentheses, end quote. And the reason that I'm wrapping up this podcast with that is because I was hurt. I'm just going to be honest. I was hurt by that. I was hurt to be... I was hurt to have someone suggest that I didn't respect women and that I took a stand against women. I don't. I'm all for, for women. I'm 100% for women. Equality, equality, equality. But not objectifying them. Not using them as sex objects in something that I'm supposed to be promoting. I will not do that, ever. If they want to do that... That's up to them. I don't judge them for that. They want to objectify themselves as their body. They can do whatever they want. But I'm not going to support it. And I'm not going to stand for it. So now you know. Another mile. That was not written in the book. Because it just happened. And another marker. Be a person of action. It cost me to do that. It cost me. But it's a stated value that I've said over and over again. And that others called me and said, what is going on? And I stood up for it. And as Paul Harvey would say, now you know the rest of the story. And so I hope you guys make it a great month. I hope all of you support what you believe. I hope you stand for what you believe. And you don't have to believe the way I do. But stand for what you believe. That's it for me today. Next week, Mile 9, learn from every leader. And this will be a fun one because I kind of walk through some of the people that have been leaders in my life that I will learn from. Thanks for listening. God bless. And have a great week.